What's up, guys? Welcome back to the T Wood Show. I'm your host, Travis Woodham, and I got a great episode number 10 for you today. I interview a former U.S. men's national team defender, Eric Immler, on this episode. He also coached the U-17 boys men's national team uh, as an assistant coach. And so I was privileged enough to get him on my podcast. And I grabbed him just after he came back from the uh, men's U-20 championships at the IMG Academy in Florida. So I interviewed him about kind of his career as a player and also as a coach of the U.S. men's national team, and also kind of his thoughts on the next men's national team coach who just got hired. And so I just wanted to uh, feel out his thoughts before this happened, and also his thoughts on the U.S. friendlies against England and Italy as well. So without further ado, here is my interview with Eric Immler. Hey, how's it going, man? Uh, doing all right. Just a lot of balls in the air, trying to keep them all up. I hear you, man. I hear you. So, uh, how, how was your trip there, uh, down there in Florida? Very good. Very good. Uh, a lot of good stuff to see. I go there quite often, obviously used to live there. So it's good to get back and see some old friends, but, um, uh, the soccer part was very entertaining. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I was actually checking online about how the U-20 championships went, and the U.S., man, just thrashing teams down. I mean, I think the goal difference was like 26. I think they had 28 goals for us and like two against or something like that. Well, it just makes you shake your head why, um, you know, why we struggle. Let's be fair. The teams at the U-20 level – are not the strongest of opponents for the U.S., which mm-hmm. suggestion that um, you know at, at the maybe at the younger age groups we've we're moving in the right direction. Let's hope. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now Mexico very strong, Jamaica very strong. Uh, we, I saw both of them play very good. Honduras very strong, but. It's the it's the weaker teams that are where there's the big gap. Yeah. You know, but but I think when we look at the national team, the, the senior team, and we think of CONCACAF, we're we're talking about the Trinidads, we're talking about the Jamaica, we're talking about the Honduras, we're talking about Mexico, we're talking about the upper crust of CONCACAF mm-hmm. that gives our full team a, a run. Yeah, it's the same thing with the twenties. I mean, I, I didn't see all of the upper crust play, but you know, Mexico, Jamaica was incredibly entertaining. Yeah, uh, you know, I, Trinidad did not have too much to offer the U.S., um, so maybe that's a that's an outlier there. But yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. That's awesome, man. So, um, as I understand, I just want to give our listeners a little bit more kind of a background on on yourself. Um, and I was I was reading it up because Chris Chris Chico I believe is your colleague there at Quick Goal right? Yep. Yeah, and uh, he he was the one obviously to give me your name, and uh, he he would just came by our office here at Three Twenty Three Sports, and uh, you know he was just selling Quick Goal for us, and you know obviously we're open with you guys, and uh, we were just you know talking soccer a little bit, and he was saying how you know he was in that Atlanta area, and I told him I was like, dude, I'm actually going to be in Atlanta. 
to see my first Atlanta United soccer game, and that stadium was impressive. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's when he told me about you, and I was like, oh, man, that would be awesome if I get you on, on one of my episodes on my podcast. Uh, so I really do thank you for taking the time to be on here, man. It, it really is it's awesome to have you on here. Happy to do it. I don't know that I, I can give your listeners anything uh, anything uh, to, to nibble on, but I'll try. Yeah, really, it's just about just, you know, telling kind of your story a little bit and then maybe uh, diving in a little bit about your coaching career for the U.S. Uh, I know you were assistant coach there for the U-17s, according to Wikipedia. Is that is that correct? Correct. Yeah, I was down there 2010-2011. That's awesome, man. So what do you – are you um, are you full-time with Quick Goal, or do you kind of still do coaching? I said You said you were coaching on the field most days. So where do you uh, coach now? Yeah, so I'm up here in Charlotte. My full-time job during the day is Quick Goal, and then I – I try and keep my toe in the water with uh, with coaching uh, at night. So, um, you know, involved in a club called FC Carolinas, which is outside of uh, Charlotte, just outside of Charlotte. Um, nice. You know, and uh, it's a brand new club, so it's a brand new startup, which has all kinds of uh, issues and stuff that come with startups. So. <laughs> You know, you, you you try and build it from the ground up and do it in a in a way that um, hopefully it, it it's what people want. So right, yeah, we're right. trying. That's awesome, man. And uh, I know we're we're up here in Raleigh, so we're we're kind of uh, you know similar, I guess, in the area. It's not too far of a dr- uh, drive for us uh, to Charlotte, uh, which is right. nice. Um, right. But I'm sure with your startup, though, you, I'm sure you get some type of good discounts with quick goal as you, you know, obviously you're repping them uh, for, for your equipment and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's the place is kitted out in quick goal and um, you know, we, we want to do it right. So we want to put the best stuff in there and that's obviously quick goal. So um, now it's about the variety of product and making sure every field looks the way we want it to. So um, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a first class facility. Players have nothing to complain about in terms of, where they train and what they train on. So um, that, for that reason, it's really good. That's super cool, man. Now let's talk a little bit about yourself. I, I know um, as I was reading up on Wikipedia, I just want to make sure most of this is true. I don't know if you've checked it or not. But uh, as I was reading through, um, uh, as your playing career, uh, I, you started out obviously in high school and then you, you got a full ride to University of Virginia, correct? Well, let me clarify. It wasn't a full ride. Um, okay. uh, Bruce was incredibly generous and kind to me during my four years of of playing for uh, Coach Arena, and uh, you know I, I came in on just a partial scholarship, and um, he rewarded me for my contributions each year. So each year it got better. I think by the end it was a, a you know, full ride, which was incredibly generous of he and the rest of the staff. So I'm incredibly thankful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. And you guys won uh, NCAA titles twice, I believe, what, 1991 and 1992. Is that right? Uh, I had a third one. 1989, my freshman year, we won it as well. Oh, yeah, as well. And Wikipedia says, like, co-champions. What does that mean? Uh, at that time, there was no uh, – there were no penalties. Oh, Really? So the NCAA changed their rules. We played, uh, you know, like two overtime periods or three. I don't know what it was. Um, 
Wow. But we played a long time, and and uh, nobody could score a goal in overtime. So it finished that way. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Three three championships in the four years you were there. Uh, you were yeah. there all four years, right? Yes. Wow, that's awesome. And also you got uh, named to the college team of the century, I believe, uh, back in 2000, according to yeah. Soccer America magazine. That's pretty yeah, sweet. That was, uh, that was quite a surprise, but hey, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, and then let's talk a little bit more about your journey, too. Can you, can you tell us a little bit of your journey for the U23 national team, kind of like what was your experience with the national team training with the U S national team? Like what was that experience for you personally? Well, I was fortunate to come in as a, as a 15 year old, uh, on back then it was the U 16s, um, which was the late eighties. And, um, you know, I mean, amazing, amazing experience for a 15 year old kid to travel, uh, quite a bit and see a lot of the world and have those experiences. But j just think what U.S. soccer looked like in the mid to late 80s. I yeah. mean, uh, night and day difference to what it looks to, looks like now. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, as I see the national team on the road, whether it's a youth team or a full team, uh, they're living well compared to how we did it. We were mm -hmm. doing... We were doing red roof ins and quality quality ins and you know, eating, <laughs> yeah. at, eating at Ponderosa and you know. <laughs> wow. We were we were living we were shuttled around in vans and you know it, it's yeah. nothing like charters and uh, you know five star hotels that you know we've we've moved towards and you know it's just a sign of how far the national team program has come. Um, yeah you know, since those days, but yeah, it, it looked a lot different and it's, I mean, still just an unbelievable experience. Um, I did yeah. not make the U 20 roster, but was fortunate to be called back in at the 23s and, uh, which became the Olympic team. Yes. Um, but yeah, just amazing. I mean, to go to an Olympics in 92 in Barcelona, unreal, yeah. um, left school for a semester just to travel and train and, uh, just a, a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Um, so I, I feel incredibly fortunate and lucky to have been where where I was and to have a short stay at the top. Yeah. Now, tell our listeners a little bit uh, more. I believe you started all six games there at the 1992 Summer Olympics. But what position uh, were, were you playing? Um, I, I was kind of a – I, I was always in the back. Um, you know, I – I'm not the biggest of guys. I'm not a I'm not a real tall guy and a dominant presence. But you know, I think coaches realized that I was going to be utilized most effectively with the entire game in front of me. I'm not uh, playing with my back to goal under pressure is not my strong suit. So um, I always played in the back, whether it was on the right, the left, centrally. Um, back in those days, I remember we used to play with a sweeper. So sometimes I was back there. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's cool. kind of, I don't know exactly what position I played, but, um, uh, I know in our second game against Poland, uh, I was pushed into midfield. I wasn't in the back. I was in midfield. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I like to think I'd have to ask Lothar Oziander, who was our coach, but I'd like to think that I was somewhat versatile. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I was, uh, I was a master of none. 
You know, <laughs> I didn't do anything really, really well, but maybe you could plug me in to fill a gap here or there and be somewhat versatile. So I'll take that title. Yeah, Eric, I'm, dude, I'm like the same exact kind of player uh, personally for me because um, I, I played, it, it's a smaller college, private college called Bob Jones University in South Carolina. Uh, uh-huh. And um, I I started out as a, uh, my freshman sophomore year. I started out as a forward. Um, actually, came off the bench uh, my freshman year, um, and actually had the most <laughs> the most goals for the team because uh, I guess uh, coach kind of just saw, hey, you know, you can have this burst of energy uh, when the team's not expecting. You know, you're not starting on the field, but then you coming off the bench because I, I definitely had a lot of good speed back then, and yeah. uh, I could just surprise some center backs and, and get in behind, you know, the defensive line and, and sneak some in. And uh, sure. sure enough, I ended up with the most goals on a team, which is kind of, <laughs> it's so funny how that had kind of worked out. But then um, my junior year, coach put me back at center back and also played a little bit of a central midfield role as well. So it's like, I kind of got a range of all, all positions as well. And I think the silver lining of that too is like, it really kind of opened my eyes to see the game more. You know, like and to understand the game a little bit better from other perspectives on the field. And uh, I think, you know, later on, you know, I've, I've coached a few little stints with a U12 team, U12 boys when I was in college. And that was a ton of fun. And I think with my experience though, with all those different positions has helped me kind of understand the game a little bit better and actually can give a little bit more of a uh, specific instructions to kids on, on different specific parts of the field. I feel like it helped me at times. Well, so. well, good for you. I didn't learn to appreciate the game, game through a different lens till I got into coaching. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't figure it out when I was a player. I had to wait till I got into coaching. Oh, yeah. And trust me, I'm like, <laughs> I don't know basically anything besides the facts of just the basics and just learning as I go, you know, just gaining experience. But uh, speaking of your professional career, though, and your coaching, um, it, it's it's Wikipedia is saying that you were the director of coaching, um, obviously with the Charlotte Soccer Academy, where you're at now. Uh, is that correct? No, Charlotte Soccer Academy is the uh, is the mothership of Charlotte. They are just a massive entity, and I was um, fortunate enough to be a part of um, uh, a successful big club um, before I left to go to uh, the national team. So. Um, you know, I spent a, spent a, a couple of years there before having to leave, and then when I came back, came back to them in a uh, in a uh, a role with the um, with the youth academy. Yeah, that's right. The U17s, right? National team. Yeah, that was the that was the national team, the residency program down in Bradenton. That is awesome. So, uh, what was your experience like with you know coaching the U.S. national team, uh, being a former U.S. national team player, you know, uh, what type of insights do you think you got, you know, as far as being a player and then, you know, instructing kids of how to kind of guide their way and, and path and journey toward, toward being a professional? Well, I mean, I could talk to them about my experiences, but like I told you earlier, the what these kids are a part of compared to what I was a part of is night and day yeah. different. I mean... These kids are living away from home at 14 and 15 years old where they train every day. You know, the, the national team, 
the national team for me, in my experience, whether it's with the with the 16s, whether it's the 23s or the Olympic team, it was nothing more than a series of camps. Mm-hmm. So you'd fly in, you'd play for seven to 10 days, 14 days, 21 days, whatever it was, and then you'd fly home, Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, our residency program was you're coming to live for a semester at minimum. Wow. You know, and you're getting up and you've got the finest of facilities at your fingertips. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just a night and day different. You wow. know, with, with us, we're, we're, we're in a little rinky dink hotel. You know, uh, uh, a room is converted to a training room. Another room is con- converted to our equipment room. You know, we're walking down the hall, dropping our dirty stuff off, picking our clean stuff up. We jump in a van and we drive, you know, miles to our training facility, which is oftentimes a high school field. Wow. You know, these days they are playing on the most beautiful surfaces, right? They have the finest of equipment. Um, It's just a completely different level. So there's not too many opportunities I was taking with these players to share with them my experiences. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just different. Now, now you're talking about, you know, obviously the resources that we have now for these kids that are coming through the system. Obviously that's not an, an issue. Um, you know, with, Hey, you know, we have everything here provided for these kids to just excel at the game. Um, and what are you seeing now personally? Like, what are your thoughts on like youth in America, like becoming the preeminent sport in the U S like, I know obviously basketball and football are like giants in the, in the U S obviously, but, um, are you seeing like more of a trend, a lot more just participation with U S you know, youth soccer and stuff. Obviously we're going forward with that and facilities wise and stuff like that, but do you sense like there's going to be a shift in the next like 10 years that soccer really is going to become one of the top sports in the U.S.? I feel it's like it's got the potential, but, um, you know, we've got to be realistic about it, too. I think American football and basketball will always reign supreme. Yeah. Um, you know, what happens to baseball? What happens to hockey? You know, I, I don't. I don't know. I think soccer is obviously showing that it will continue to grow. Um, Leagues will continue to evolve and hopefully get better and better. And um, hopefully soccer becomes more of the the daily bread for every single kid. Um, You can only hope, right? Uh, what What I've witnessed and what we've all witnessed is soccer on the rise. So as more and more facilities are being built, nicer and nicer facilities are being built, um, you know, soccer becoming more and more year round. um, You can only hope that uh, more and more players are uh, taking a bite of the apple at younger and younger ages and um, Mm -hmm. continuing to to develop and grow and be even more talented at younger and younger age groups. Yeah, I agree. Now, um, taking a step a little bit further as far as question for you would be, um, do you see like, I'm trying to word this correctly, but basically is there an issue with this play to, you know, pay to play system type thing? You now that people always say, Oh, it's a, you know, 
if you have the money, you, you get to play, you know, at these top clubs and so and so. But this kid has no money, you know, and he's in the inner city and he can't get in because he can't pay. But like, is there any type of like solutions for this, or is there any type of just academies that are out there that could help these kids who may be super talented and have the ability to become, you know, a professional, but I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of kids who could be slipping through the cracks who may not have the money, but I think what would be kind of a solution in your mind? I know it's kind of a challenging question, but what what are your thoughts and stuff like that? I think anywhere you go around the world, you're going to find players that slip through the cracks. Yeah. Right. And I don't, um, but I think our, uh, our challenge is that the, it's, it's a sheer size question. I mean, Massive country. What we have done really well is we've developed a scouting network where we have eyes on kids that that wasn't really there wasn't in place when I was coming through, Um, you know, but now we've got a scouting network that hopefully identifies more and more players. But we all know that there are players everywhere Mm -hmm. who are just looking for an opportunity. Um, you know, and maybe on a certain day at a certain location, that player was missed for whatever reason. Um, the good thing is, is that we have a, a talent identification system in place that I hope is ever evolving and, and being becoming more and more intricate and being able to dig deeper into all of these different communities around the, the country. Mm-hmm. But we're massive. Yeah, that's true. It's really hard to find everybody. I'd like to think that, you know, if you if you talk to the national team coaches, the guys at the top, they feel better and better every year about having identified the top talent that is out there. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they would have to answer that. But I've got to imagine that U.S. soccer is 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 really eager to uh, to uncover as much talent as humanly possible. Yeah, and that's a great point because our, our country is just so massive and, you know, over 300 million plus, you know, it's probably even more than that, uh, people living here. So it's like, I, I see that point because I want to talk to people. Like when people bring that up, you know, you're just like, yeah, I understand, you know, some kids will be slipping through the cracks, but like you can only – you know, see so many people um, in, in this country because it's so big. Um, and then I was just thinking, too, I think it's really cool to see these stories of, like, you know, these these coaches who are going into, like, the inner cities where there's, there's more of a, you know, bigger population and, like, you know, creating this kind of just a hard nose, like, this grinding out a, a place to play at a park you know, and then maybe he's he's connected within the system and be like, hey, this kid, I spotted this kid in the inner city. He came out and played some pickup soccer, you know, maybe stuff like that. I, I think more and more you could see that coming in the United States, like with these bigger cities and these coaches who are going in and like seeing these new parks develop, like seeing more uh, soccer fields instead of maybe basketball rims. Um, and I know I think Target's been – it's kind of funny the retail giant target has been you know partnering with the mls and they're they're committed to building at least a hundred um soccer fields within the u.s like in random like cities and stuff like that i thought that was super cool to really help generate excitement for the, the kids who are you know playing 
playing soccer, maybe just an, another option for these kids to pick a sport, you know, and then. Yeah, I think there's there's efforts like that going on uh, all over the country. And, you know, you like to see the big money get involved because, you know, things will, will get done. Um, you know, and I, I think for the scouting network there, you know, everybody's interest. Everybody recognizes that there are players everywhere. We just have to find them. Yeah. You know, and you, you hope that the system in place does a does a good job and casts a big enough net to find a majority of uh, the talent that's out there. But we all know human nature too. We we miss it. We miss it quite a few. Um, you know, when I was coaching at the college level, I always felt like you know there's there's a player that's hidden under a, a rock somewhere. You just have to turn over enough rocks. Instead of going to all of the big events, the Development Academy showcases where every college coach from Division One, Two, II, and Three is there, fishing in the same waters. Yeah. What's going on in a local field ten miles outside of the event where you could find a potential player? They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's just having the resources to find them. Yeah. That's you true. Know. That's true. Well, I appreciate it, man. And uh, just before you go, what are some of your thoughts on these upcoming uh, friendlies with uh, the U.S. men's national team playing uh, England uh, for Rooney's last, uh, I believe his last international game, his 120th cap, which is huge. And he also is a D.C. United uh, player, which you got drafted uh, back in February of 1996. Is that correct? Uh, With Uh, D.C. United. If I can remember back that long, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Bruni is a D.C. United man, you know, playing for England against the U.S. team this coming uh, February, or I'm sorry, November 15th. Uh, what are your thoughts about um, the roster coming in, and just do you think we have a chance of, you know, beating England? Well, I think with any friendly, you always have a chance because you never know uh, the mindset of the coach is the coach looking to bring in some younger players. It all depends on where we are building up to the world cup. How close to a big event are we? How big is his pool that he has access to? Um, you know, are the pro teams going to allow the big names to leave? It could be an, uh, an important time for them. And they ultimately say no. So you, you never know what team's going to be on the field for, for either group. All I can tell you is, is that um, I am immensely impressed with uh, what Wayne Rooney has done um, for the MLS this yeah. past season. I mean, uh, it's not uncommon for big names to come in here and kind of coast in the in the twilight of their career. Yeah. But it seems to me that uh, that that uh, Wayne Rooney has come in and and had a very workmanlike attitude to how he goes about his day and has turned that franchise around, put it on its back. And, you know, I was glad to see, um, you know, Coach Olsen make the playoffs and, you know, have a have a great year. I have to think that a large contributing factor was Wayne Rooney. Oh, yeah, definitely. You, you got to figure he comes in and he, he, he ignites – um, that locker room and, and really gets those guys playing. So for him to be in the national team selection, fantastic, you know, but what players are going to be around him? Um, on the flip side, you know, hats off to Coach Sarakin and, and the rest of the staff with the national team. Mm-hmm. Not an easy situation when all the news is about who the next coach is going to be. 
So his job is very, very difficult. But what an amazing job he's done with a bunch of young, unestablished players as, uh, you know, as he, he, he leads the way with the national team. So I'd like to think that we continue to play with a lot of uh, excitement and young guys continue to get their opportunity with the national team. And, you know, this is the this is this is where the groundwork is laid for, you know, the, the, the team that's 2022, hopefully. Yeah, I agree, man. I love this young roster. I feel like I think the average age is like 23 years and some odd days uh, for yeah. the whole roster. It was just pretty cool. I, I think people wanted to see, you know, that youth, you know, the, the younger roster coming in for the U.S. team, which could then progress and build that chemistry leading up to the World Cups. Well, um, there's a lot of excitement there, and there's a lot of excitement with the U-20s as well, the, the team that uh, oh, the yeah. assembled. I mean, they're, they're dynamic, they're quick, they're fast, they play with a lot of good ideas, um, you know, so it, it's, it's an exciting time. So we'll just see, and I've got to imagine – you know, the, at the younger youth levels, we're, we're trending in the right direction. We can only hope, right? That's right, man. And I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped about these friendlies coming up to see the U.S. team play once again against England on the 15th and Italy, I think, on the 20th. Uh, so two, yeah. big, two big games. Obviously, Italy missed the World Cup as well. So I think they have somewhat of a point to prove, like, yeah, we're still on the map. Uh, obviously, we're still Italy. We're still good. Um, but I think it would be cool to watch both these games, uh, these upcoming. But – uh, thank you, Eric, for taking the time, man, to be on the show, and really do appreciate uh, all you've said and all your insight of becoming, uh, obviously, a U.S. player going through the system, being drafted as a professional, and also playing that one game against, I believe, El Salvador, um, and then, obviously, your coaching career there in Charlotte. So I appreciate it, man, and hope you do some good sales with Quickall as well. Yeah, we only hope. I think they hope the same. Um, so, hey, appreciate you being uh, reaching out to me and having an opportunity to be on the show. Good luck with everything. Thanks, Eric. You have a good rest of your day, man. You too. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.